once again, and welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 135, Just Good News, journal entry number 32. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you can't find it in any of those places, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed. We'll show up somewhere where you listen to podcasts, I'm sure. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. With your comments, questions, criticisms, and suggestions for future episodes. Well, episode 135, we're going to uh, read chapter 10 of Carrie Schmidt's book, Done, What Most Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. He also has a few words in conclusion following chapter 10. We're going to finish this up today. I hope you've uh, enjoyed reading through this little book with me. And as always, I encourage you to buy multiple copies of this book if you liked what you heard. It's a great witnessing tool, and uh, I've bought uh, multiple copies of this book over the years, and I encourage you to do that. You can find those at www.strivingtogether.com, on Amazon.com, or look up Dunn and Carrie Schmidt on the Internet, and you'll find a way to purchase those books. Brother Schmidt has many other books he's written, too. A lot of good books that are great witnessing tools for you. So today we're going to get into chapter 10, Believing on Christ, Believing on Christ. So without further ado, let's go there uh, right now. What if Christmas morning came and my kids refused to open their gifts? Probably won't happen, but go with me on this one for just a moment. That would be a terrible disappointment after all the trouble of purchasing, wrapping, and waiting in eager anticipation. We would be terribly let down if the kids didn't want what we had purchased for them. Now, in all reality, that's highly unlikely. Why? Because receiving a gift is easy. It's fun. It's something you look forward to and anticipate. I've never once had to coax my kids to open a gift. I've never had to talk them into it. I've never had to wait while they decided whether or not to take it. I've never had to convince them that my gift was any good. No, they seem to cross those bridges pretty quickly in no time flat. As soon as we allow them, they're tearing wrapping paper from everything in sight. So why do so many people hesitate to receive a gift from their Heavenly Father? I've shared this news with so many people who can't seem to decide what to do with it. They hesitate. They struggle with belief. They can't seem to accept that God made it this simple. They reason that there must be more to it. God couldn't let me off the hook that easily, they think. There must be a catch. There must be something I have to do to earn it or to pay for it. Friend, no matter how you look at it, if you choose to believe the Bible, then you have to go with done and not do. And if you go with done, if you accept that salvation, the payment for sin, as a free gift, then there's only two simple decisions remaining to actually make this gift yours. You see, to receive any gift, you must make two simple decisions. The first is internal, and the second is external. It goes something like this. 
If I walked up to you on the street and offered you $1,000 in cash as a free gift, you would have two quick decisions. Decision number one, do I believe this guy? You would stand there for a moment, look at me, check me out, try to assess what I'm up to. You would try to quickly evaluate whether or not you believe me. In all likelihood, you would be suspicious of me, maybe so much that you would choose not to believe and would go on your merry way. In this case, the second decision becomes irrelevant. Yet, if you chose to believe me, your internal choice is complete and your external choice is this. Decision number two, will I receive the gift? Even though that you believe I'm offering you $1,000, you could still opt not to take the gift. You could say, ah, thanks, but no thanks. You could say, looks like you need it more than I do, pal. You could choose to walk away, though you believe you could still choose to reject the gift. You see, on the side of the giver, a true gift must be free and optional. And on the side of the receiver, a true gift must be believed and received. For a gift to become yours, you must choose to believe the giver and to receive it as your own. Until you make these two simple decisions, the gift is not truly yours. It could be paid for. It could be wrapped and waiting. It could have your name on it. But if you don't believe it and receive it, then it will never be yours. So it is with the gift of God, eternal life. You don't get this gift by default. You get this gift by decision. Yes, it's paid for. Yes, it's ready and waiting for you. Yes, it has your name on it. And yes, you could decide to walk away. You could decide you don't believe and you won't receive. It would be the worst decision you could ever make. Now, my kids seem to get past these two decisions pretty quickly on Christmas and birthdays. They don't usually have much trouble believing and receiving. Yet so many people I meet can't seem to do this with God. So how about you right now? Is this really something that you need to contemplate 57 ways? Is this something really that you need to find 82 reasons not to accept It's a gift of God. It's free for the taking. If you believe the Bible, if you will take God at His word, this can be yours right now. Here's how God describes the taking of the gift. In Romans 10, 9, He says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Did you catch that? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That's the believe part. And with mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the receive part. Again in verse 13 he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, whoever will ask can have this gift from God. In Acts 16.31, we are instructed, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Once again, in John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Over and over again in the Bible, God says that this gift becomes ours by believing and receiving. It starts internally in the heart. It starts with true belief, faith. Now, friend, it's important that you realize that there are two kinds of belief. There is a head belief and a heart belief. A head belief is simply a knowledge of something, and a heart belief is actually trusting that knowledge. If I went to LAX airport and bought a ticket on Southwest Airlines to Phoenix, I could believe with my head that this ticket and this airline could take me to Phoenix. I could know this in my head without actually placing my trust in this airplane. This is head belief. Heart belief would be to actually get on board the plane, to fully trust that airline and airplane to take me to my destination. You may already have had a head belief in Jesus. You may understand everything I've written about in this little book. Millions of people in the world claim to believe in Jesus, yet they go about day to day still trying to pay for their own sin and refusing to simply admit their desperate state and trust His full payment on the cross. The question now is this. Will you place a heart belief in Jesus Christ alone? Are you willing to believe that nothing else can save you? Are you willing to turn fully to Christ from a sincere heart of repentance and faith? Will you truly believe to the point of fully trusting in only Jesus to save you and pay your sin debt? What if you were on the fifth floor of a burning building, trapped? You're hanging out a window, clinging to the building for dear life. You're holding tight to the building, and you're doomed. Suddenly, the fire department sees you, spreads a net for you, and ten firemen begin yelling for you to jump into their net. Friend, you cannot trust both the net and the building. If you try to trust both, you'll die. You have to make a 100% choice either way. If you trust the building, it will soon fall and engulf you in flames. Yet to trust the fireman, you would have to let go of the building and jump by faith into the net. You would need to have more than a head belief. Your jump would necessitate a heart belief, a 100% trust in the fireman. In that moment, you would have made these two split-second decisions. Do I believe these firemen? Will I receive their offer? If the answer to both of these questions is yes, then you'd better jump. In jumping, you receive the fireman's offer of salvation. It's so simple, really. So many religions and systems complicate this matter. Make it the do-oriented. So many people are trying to cling to the building and believe the firemen at the same time. Friends, you cannot trust do and done at the same time. You must now choose one or the other. You must make your choice about God's gift. If it's a gift, then it cannot be earned. If you must earn it, then it isn't a gift. Yet God says repeatedly that you cannot earn it and that it is indeed a gift. So who do you believe? God or religion? Your own opinion or the Word of God? Back to those two choices. Do I believe God? Will I receive this gift? How about it? Do you believe the message of God to you? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God? Do you believe that in spite of your good points, you are still sinful and need a rebuilding miracle? 
Do you believe that Jesus paid for your sin and rose again from the dead? If you truly believe these things in your heart, then you are almost there. Will you receive the gift? Hopefully you're like my kids. Hopefully right now you're saying, yes, yes, yes. Who wouldn't? Just tell me how. Well, God makes it very clear. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. Since you can't physically walk up to God and take eternal life, he simply says, ask. Your heart belief combined with your simple prayer of asking will make it yours. Your internal decision to fully trust combined with your external decision to receive, to ask for it, makes this gift yours instantly. You're not doing for this gift. You're deciding. You're simply making a choice to accept what has already been done. So here's the purpose of these pages. The most important question you will ever read in your entire life, it determines where you will spend all of eternity. Will you in this moment decide to believe and receive God's gift? I'm assuming you're like my kids, <laughs> ready to tear into this gift as soon as you can get it uh, with the hands of your heart. Well, you only need to ask. If you have already internally made the believe decision, then I urge you to bow your head and heart in the privacy of this moment and pray a simple, sincere prayer, something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are God. I believe that you died for all of my sins and rose again. I confess to you that I am a sinner, and I ask you to be my personal Savior right now. I place 100% of my trust in you to come into my life and take me to heaven someday. I accept your free gift of eternal life. Thank you for keeping your promise and answering this prayer. Amen. Did you believe and receive did you? If not, I hope you will very soon. Don't risk another day. God wants you to make this decision now. And he is eager for you to accept his gift. He says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. His rescue mission is complete, but you must choose to be rescued if you just prayed that prayer, congratulations on the greatest decision you will ever make. God just applied the full payment of Jesus Christ for your sin debt on your account. The record is wiped clean forever, and you are perfect, righteous, justified, just as if you'd never sinned in God's sight. That doesn't necessarily mean that you won't still sin. In fact, I'm pretty sure you will. But when you do, you already have forgiveness, and the price for that sin has already been paid. You are now born again. Jesus Christ has come into your life to stay, and he has begun the process of growing you in his grace. He has rebuilt you spiritually from the ground up. You might not feel any different, but according to God's own words, you are a new creature with Jesus Christ living inside of you. You literally have a new set of spiritual genes. The sin gene is gone and God's life is now within you. You will never face eternity apart from God. 
He promises you eternal life, which can never be taken away under any circumstance. You never again need to fear death or wonder where you will go after you die. You have accepted what Christ has done for you. You didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to lose it. You now belong to God, and He is your Heavenly Father forever. I told you we would get back to this verse, Ephesians 2.1. And you hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickened means made alive. God has brought you to life, spiritually speaking. What a great decision. What a great future you have. A wonderful new life has been planted in you. Conclusion. New creature, new life, new future. Remember how I said we don't need a mere makeover, but we do need a total spiritual rebuild? Jesus called it rebirth. Well, that's what just happened to you. You were born into God's family. You were made alive to God. And with this new birth comes some pretty important things. God says you are literally a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are now alive in God's sight. Whereas before you were spiritually dead, this means you have the capacity by God's grace in your heart to experience a personal relationship with God on a daily basis. This is the close relationship He has always wanted with you, and it will lead to all kinds of internal changes for the better in your life. You now have the capacity to truly change for the better by God's power. God will grow you and change you from within if you will let Him. God instructs us in 1 Peter 2.2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. In God's family, you are a newborn babe. You have a new beginning in God's sight, and there's much growth to experience in your life. You have been born again the Bible way, God's way. Just as 1 Peter 1.23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. As we close this book and rejoice in your decision to accept God's gift, there are a few things you need to know. First, you can never lose your salvation. You are secure in God's care forever. Though there are many, here are a couple of references that tell us this in the Bible. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's found in Romans 8, 38 and 39. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1, 13. 
This verse in Ephesians teaches that God sealed you, permanently placed his seal of ownership upon you the moment that you accepted Christ. Again, God promises in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. These are just a few of God's promises that once you've been born into his family, you can never be unborn. Second, God wants you to grow as a newborn child. As a newborn baby has much to learn about life, so is your relationship with God. He says in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. There are many ways you can grow closer to God. In Acts 2, the people who trusted Christ assembled together at church to learn the Bible and encourage each other. It's important that you quickly find a true Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church where each week you can learn more and more about Jesus Christ and find friends who will encourage you in your journey. If you contact us here at Striving Together Publications, we would love to recommend a good church in your area where you can learn the Bible and grow in God's grace. Friend, you have a new life. You're a new creature in God's light. You have a new eternal destiny and a new Heavenly Father. He wants to provide your every need, guide your every decision, transform your life from the inside out, and lead you into a future that fulfills His eternal purpose. Just as you trust Him by faith for salvation, He wants you to grow in faith day by day. Learning more of His love, His Word, and His plan for your life. You're going to love the journey of growing closer to God. Now that your sin debt is taken care of, you have an invitation to enter His presence at any moment. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You don't need a priest or a mediator. You can come directly to your Heavenly Father at any time. You can talk with Him through prayer, and He will talk with you through His Word, the Bible. He says that His Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4, 12. I encourage you to begin reading the Word of God and begin praying to Him every day. You'll find day by day that your heart will long to grow closer and closer to Him. The more you get to know God, the more you'll love Him. The more you find out about how much He loves you and just what He has done for you, the more irresistible you'll find Him. We began the book with this verse. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1.18 You have accepted God's gift, Jesus Christ. He has taken away your sin. As He has taken away your sin, you have become a new creature in His sight. Not by what you do, but by what He has done. Congratulations on your entrance into the family of God. You never need to fear death again. You forever have the promise of eternal life. 
not because you earned it, but because you accepted God's gift. Now, you hold the greatest and most important message ever given by God to mankind. Who do you know that needs to hear this message? Would you share it with them? Would you pass a copy of this book on to them? Go now and let someone else know. It's not about do. It's about done. Now begin to let Christ transform your life from the inside out. Let His goodness within show itself through your good life. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 Live for Christ, not to earn His favor, because it's already yours. Look forward to your future with great confidence and expectation. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 May God bless you as you begin your new life in Jesus Christ. He will never let you down. Well, folks, that concludes the book Done uh, by uh, Brother Kerry Schmidt. And if there's been just one person that's either drawn up closer to Jesus or has come to know him as their personal Savior through the reading of this book together, it's worth it all. I hope you'll share the message of Christ with others. I hope that Jesus is real in your life. If he's not, If he's not real in your life, then today is the day that you need to get that squared away and confess your sins to Jesus and become a child of the King. Well, it's been great to be with you. Well, like I said, I hope you've enjoyed this book. If you did, buy a number of copies of it and uh, send it out to uh, uh, your friends who are searching for the truth, your friends who may be searching for Jesus but just don't quite know how to get the job done. Well, next week uh, we'll be back with another podcast on another subject. But until then, want each and every one of you to have a great week and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.